Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Oh, you are a wonderful God. You're full of grace, full of mercy. We thank you for this wonderful privilege to be able to come before your throne of grace in the name of Jesus and in the power of your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this community, for this fellowship. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be able to open up your word and to dive into the text and to learn of the goodness of your salvation, of the goodness of your being. Lord, we ask that you help my foolish preaching be used to the praise of your glorious grace. Lord, we pray that some soul here who is hungry and in need of encouragement, in need of your salvation, in need of your grace, we ask that they be fed today, that your will be done in their hearts and in their minds. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Father God, you are our strength. You are our redeemer. We love you and we praise you. These and all other blessings we ask in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace. How y'all doing? Listen, y'all, if y'all can't tell, I'm excited to be here. Uh, um, I just, it's a wonderful privilege. I, by the grace of God, I'm going to do my best to, to preach this word. I try not to keep people too long. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and just like set a timer. Because what happened is, if y'all notice, I didn't walk up in here with notes. And what happened is, I'll get to talking, and before you know it, you've been sitting there for like 45 minutes. And you're going to be like, yo, what's going on here? So, um... I want y'all to turn in your Bibles to a very familiar text. We're going to start in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and then we're going to skip over to chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 21. So first, Romans 1 and 16, and then Romans 3, okay? Um, let me turn it while I'm sitting here talking. <laughs> you guys will be there, and I won't. Um, I, as a, as a reformer in 2022, the book of Romans can be con- you know, be what we consider like a, a cliche book for the reform community, right? It's like so cliche to preach from Romans. That's, that's how I felt because I wanted to preach from somewhere else. But for whatever reason, I was compelled. I just kept coming right back to this. So here we are. Here we are. Romans 1, 16. And I'm going to read, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek I want to skip over to chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the blessed word of God. Um, so as it was mentioned earlier, I write music. I'm a, I'm a Christian rapper because I can't sing, so I have to rap in order to praise God. And I'm kind of tapped into the Christian hip-hop community a little bit, like historically. So any of y'all in here, if y'all are familiar with CHH, which stands for Christian Hip Hop, if y'all are familiar with any of that, uh, y'all may be familiar with Reach Records. And Reach Records, at one point, you know, they had, they, they used to be called the 116 Click. 
Because they would take Romans 1 and 116 and say, listen, I'm unashamed of the gospel, right? I'm unashamed. Unashamed became a thing. Some of their fans got the tats, unashamed on it, so forth, right? Now, before I go any further, I want to make sure we're clear here. This is not a diss or reach records or their, their artists or any of that nature or so forth. But what happened was when they took that and made that a slogan, people began to zero in on this word unashamed. It is absolutely wonderful to not be ashamed of the gospel. By all means, be bold. However, that's not the point of that verse. Paul was writing to some Christians in Rome who believed in the very basics. They understood that Jesus Christ died and that he resurrected and that in him alone was salvation. What they didn't understand was why did he have to die? How does this salvation apply? And then how then shall we live now that the salvation has taken effect in our lives? So Paul is taking this time to explain the gospel to some Christians. That's almost sound kind of crazy. Wait a minute, I'm already saved. Why do I need to hear the gospel? Well, let me tell you, if that's your thought process, you need to hear the gospel daily. Dave, there's a reason why we stood up here earlier and had to confess our sins and be reminded of the goodness of God because it's really easy to forget. It's really easy to forget what our location is. It's really easy to forget what our designation is, right? And so Paul, who hadn't been to Rome like all the other apostles, none of the other apostles had been to Rome at the time, is taking his time to explain this gospel to the people. And what is the gospel? It's the power of God to save. Why is that important? Well, because in all honesty, we suck at being righteous. That's the best way I can think to put it. We, we try, you know, we, we try to do good, but you know, I mean, you ever, you ever, some of y'all was driving on the way here this morning and somebody cut you off in traffic. And the first thing that came out of your mouth, you idiot, like right then and there, like you said, it's so easy to sin. It's so easy to not love your neighbor the way that we're supposed to love our neighbor. It is so easy to do that. So because of that predicament, because of that problem, there's no way that we can earn our salvation. So it takes nothing less than the power of God to save us. So the gospel is the power of God to save anyone and everyone. And that's so important that they said it like that because they had that, you know, they had a cultural conflict. There was two types of Christians in Rome, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, right? And so there was this cultural conflict. You know, we don't, we don't have that problem in America today, right? <laughs> it was, it was it, it, and, and Paul had to make sure that they knew and understood, like, listen, it's not about your ethnicity. It's not about your DNA. It's not about whether or not you're circumcised or uncircumcised. The gospel is the power of God to save, right? It's the power of God to save. And so he starts to explain this gospel. And I love how he starts off the gospel. He just started off by saying, well, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Like, no, no, he went straight for the jugular. He, he, started, he started right at the problem. What is the problem? The problem is, is that you're a rebellious people. When you look at this list in Romans, at the, chapter 1, at the end, it's, I, you can read this list and, and there's no way you can hear this list and not hear you. Because he says, and it's verse 28. He says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, hardy, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. There's no way you can read that list and not see yourself in at least one of those categories. And, 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 maybe, and maybe you were a good kid in school. Maybe you were a decent kid at home. But even sometime before your memories took place, you know, you was that baby who, who was going to go reach for something. And your mom or your dad was like, no, don't touch that. And you was like, okay. And then the second they turned it back, you went to go touch it. That's disobedient to parents. You did that. You did that. I know we like to be like, babies are innocent. No, 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 no. You don't have to teach a baby how to do wrong. You have to teach them how to do right. You have to train them up, right? You don't have to train them down. By nature, it says in Ephesians, by nature, we were children of wrath. It's in our nature to do these things. Some of us came from a very different place. It was natural if somebody slapped us, it was natural for us to slap them back. (laughs) Hit home, right? It was natural, right? So by nature, if we're sinners then we need something supernatural to get us from that position and into right standing with God. You know, and and so Paul, as he goes on in this letter, you know, he wanted to make sure that the Jews understood as well. Like, listen, I know, you you know, as you was reading that list in chapter one, I ain't one chapter one, but as you was reading that list back there that you was probably thinking like, yeah, that's all them Gentiles, but they're them them filthy Philistines that, that uncircumcised nasty folks. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. Because you're sitting here preaching some stuff that you're not living. Like, you're worse than some of these Gentiles. There's some wrath and fury for some of y'all too. Like, you're falling short. And so then it gets into chapter 3 and finally says, just so we clear. Just so we clear. But then, are we Jews any better off, he says? Like, no, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written... None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And see, when you're telling the gospel, right, you have to go ahead and tell it all. There's some horrible news at the beginning of that. The horrible news is, is that to your own devices, it is utterly hopeless. No hope. There's no way that you by yourself are strong enough to do what needs to be done in order to be right with God. I praise God that's not the end of the story though. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like, like, like hearing that, that ought to lead you to a place of despair. But then here comes Paul with this good news, with the actual, the, the good news of the gospel. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. See, we're natural lawbreakers. That law cannot save us. It teaches us. It shows us what's wrong. It tells us what, what not to do and maybe even how to do some things. But the problem is, again, we kind of, we suck at keeping that. We, we, just don't have, we just don't have it within us. 
You know, so apart from the law, so although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's great news. God's righteousness through faith. So there's no distinction. And I love this part right here. Because for years, I would always hear Romans 3.23 quoted strictly by itself. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, uh, you, if you're looking at the text, you'll notice something very interesting about that verse. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is not one sentence. It's part of a sentence. It's the middle of a sentence. Now, when that, when that verse is quoted, most people think every individual, past, present, and future, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you're right in thinking that. That is so true. I agree. That's a hill I would die on. However, that's not Paul's context here. Because it's the middle of a sentence. He has a specific people in mind as he's talking. Because it's in the middle of the sentence. Because what's the next phrase that comes after that? And are justified. See, every individual, past, present, and future are not justified. Some people go to hell because they die in their sin. Which means that they have not been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. There are people who die in unbelief and they have to suffer the wrath for the sin. See, there's two types of people. Those who have atonement and those who pay for their own evil. Those are the two types of people that you have in this world. But here he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift. See, Paul is talking to the church and he's saying like, listen, while y'all beefing with each other over your little cultural differences, y'all need to chill and think about something. Every last one of y'all were deserving of eternal wrath. But on the flip side, every last one of y'all have been given this grace as a gift to come into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no need for you to look down on that person that's sitting next to you in that pew. There's no need for you to look down on somebody who looks a little different from you, who maybe walk a little different. Maybe they come from a, a different background in which they talk a little different. Maybe they eat different things. None of that stuff matters. The gospel is not in those things. The gospel is the power of God to save whoever believes. He says, they're justified as grace by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. I love when I get to talk with somebody of the Muslim faith and typically somebody who I know for a while. It's it's, it's always a fascinating conversation because I always like to ask him, and I learned this from my good friend Virgil when I used to hit the streets with him. And I uh, I would just ask him, I'd be like, hey, what's the Islamic gospel? Right? And and it's always like a confusing question for them. Like, what do you mean? Because they don't talk like that. I was like, well, what's, you know, what's, what's the good news? If you were trying to get me to believe what you believe, you know, what, what, is, the, what is the chief and highest end for somebody who believes Islam? However, I, I, I have to phrase that question, right? And so they'll say, oh, well, you know, if you, you know, follow Allah's laws and so forth, if you do nothing right, you know, you get to go to heaven. And so my question always comes back to, okay, well, what does Allah do about sin? He's always, he forgives you. I mean, just like that? Yeah. Said that's just kind of strange because justice demands that when something wrong is done, something right has to be done to counteract it. If I if I if I come and I damage your house, justice demands that I pay for the damages, right? God's law has always been like that, man. If you you know 
kill a man's ox, you got to give him another one. You know, it's like it's always it's always been a, some type of retribution that takes place. Something has to happen. So if you're telling me that Allah just looks over sins and does nothing about it, I'd have to conclude that Allah is unjust. See, there's no savior there in Islam. Now, I can do that with any religion. I can do that with any other religion. I can do that with Buddhism. I can do that with Hindu. Where is the savior? See, in Christianity, we have a savior because our sins in the sight of a holy God need to be paid for in order for God to be just. And so what Christ does is he goes to the cross and he pays that debt that we could never pay and in return issues us a credit that would take us an eternity to spend. It's the most unfairest of cosmic transactions in ever, but it's to our benefit. That is so dope to think that I have this debt that I cannot pay. And here's this God who doesn't have to do anything for me, by the way, who's totally, who be totally just is sending me to hell, decides to send his son to die in my place. And as he was dying in my place, my sins are being given to him and he's suffering the wrath of the father right there on that cross. And then in return, he goes and issues his righteousness. The righteousness that I can, the righteousness that is on me that allows me to stand before God is an alien righteousness. It does not come from me. It comes from Christ. And I'm able to now have a relationship with God. Now, it blows my mind every time I think about it. Sometimes I get a little choked up. Every morning I wake up, I got to tell you, every morning I wake up, it's a surprise. Every morning that I wake up, it's a surprise because I know that I don't deserve the very breath that I have, right? It's, 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 it's something worth praising God over. We, we, we have been justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forth as a propitiation. That's one of my favorite words in the Bible, propitiation. I love the way it rolls out the tongue. It means that Christ satisfied the wrath of God that I incurred. Propitiation. Ah, I love that word. We don't hear it enough in my church. Propitiation. He, he put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Now, we're going to get to a dilemma real quick, right? So it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So check this out. Back in Proverbs, I think, let me make sure, I hope I got it right. This is where I get nervous. Like, do I remember my verses? Proverbs 17, verse 15 says, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Here's this dilemma now, because what have I just been talking about? God justifying wicked people. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. But here we're seeing that God justifies wicked people. So how is God not becoming an abomination? Well, the answer is found in Christ. See, it's not that Jesus is just justifying wicked people. I mean, excuse me, that God is just justifying wicked people like Allah would. And just say, oh, you said you're asking for forgiveness? I'm going to give it to you. Come on in. Just as long as you follow my law perfectly. Which, by the way, that makes me real nervous because we know that we don't follow laws perfectly. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole other subject. So 
God is able to justify us because there has been a payment for that sin. Because Jesus had paid for that sin. Without the cross, without the work of Christ, there is no salvation. Now, some of y'all might be like, why should I care about all this? Or maybe y'all think, some of y'all may think, well, I already know this. The reason why I'm saying this is because I'm willing to bet that there's somebody right now here in this congregation, or there's somebody who's going to be hearing this message, or there's somebody who's going to be here later on in the next service, who for whatever reason is suffering with whether or not they're actually even saved. Because some sin rose up and they fell to it. Because see, here's the thing. Here's the reality. We're saved and we're justified by faith, but we're not glorified yet. Sin is a very present reality. It sucks. We do. Our relationship with sin has changed, you know, but it's still there. Sin is like that. It's, it's, it's like that, that, that toxic relationship you had. You know, you, you broke up with sin, but... You know, sin every so often like to come and pop his or her head around, you know, like liking your statuses on Facebook and, you know, sliding into your DMs and so forth and maybe hopping out the bushes, you know, on you just, you know, just, hey, how you doing? You know, like just uh, get away from me. But then you have like maybe like, like a, like a dark night, like a little lonely night or whatever. And sin texts you WID, you know, for, for those of y'all that don't know, that means what you're doing, you know, WID and you know, and, you, and so you text back, nothing, just chilling, you know, and, and you know, I miss you, you know, and, and then you start remembering, cause here's the thing, let's be honest, sin felt good, right? You're still in the flesh. You remember what sin feels like. You, you, you remember those, you and sin had some fun times, let's, let's be honest, right? And so here you are on this lonely night now, and you and sin chatting back and forth. Before you know it, you and sin hook up, and then the second you get done with sin, all of a sudden you feel disgusted. And, and you have to wonder, like, man, like, ugh, what did I just do? Like, how could I? I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to love God. I'm supposed to, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Man, am I even saved? Does, does God, can, how can God love me? You know, you, all those questions start circling your head. See, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. See, an unbeliever don't care. Unbeliever, unbeliever hooks up with sin time and time again. They wake up thinking about sin. They plot with sin. You know, they, they go and they write a song about sin. It becomes a top 40 hit. And then they get on stage after they win the award and say, I want to thank Jesus for my song, Booty, 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 Rocking Everywhere. I can't do it without him. You know, it, that, that's how unbelievers act, right? Believers, we're, we're, we're more so like, Ugh, I hate it. Like, I hate this sin. But, but every so often it, it comes and you, and you have to wonder like, man, where did I lose focus? How could I have lost focus? How do I find myself right here, right now with this sin on me? I feel disgusted. Why would God love me? How can God love me? Does God love me? All of those questions start circling. But praise be to God that our salvation it's not contingent upon our consistency in being righteous. Our salvation is based on the merits of Christ alone. Now, I always got to make sure I'm crystal clear. This is not a license to just live freely in sin. See, like I said earlier, believers' relationship with sin has changed. What that means is, is that when sin arises, you hate it. And although sin may be very present, 
and may seem to be kind of overwhelming and, and, and in abundance, man, wherever sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Every morning, that's every surprising morning that I wake up, one of the things that I'm reminded of is that I'm waking up on the basis of God's new mercies. His mercies are new every day. And for those of y'all who don't know how to articulate it, mercy is the withholding of God's just judgment. God withheld a just judgment from us. And then he graciously, grace is, is God's unmerited favor. He gives us what we don't deserve, what we can't earn through the work of Jesus Christ. The, the work of Jesus Christ is, is our ticket to salvation. Oh. This is a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gospel. This is good news. There is no greater news. There is no better news than this. Because without Christ, we are a lost, sinful wretch. And what I want to say is, is that if there's anybody in here who fits any of that description of what I just said, like I said, I don't know. I'm just I'm spitballing here. You know, maybe it's just me. You know, maybe I'm the only one who goes to those things. I don't know. But if there's anybody in here who ever comes into the conflict of a present sin in their life, You need to know that we have a God who is faithful to his covenant, who is faithful to his word. Now think about this. When Jesus Christ hung on that cross for you, before he even hung, and even now after after he hung, he became an intercessor for you. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. Listen, this is so important right here because think about this. The Father, Son, and Spirit are one, right? Three persons with unique workings and so forth, but one God. There's no way on earth Jesus is going to pray for you and intercede for you and the Father be like, nah, I'm tired of him. (laughs) There's no way that that's going to happen. They're going to always agree. That's not a drop of Jesus' blood that was spilt in vain. The cross is going to save all for whom it was intended. You have nothing to worry about. Trust in Christ. Trust that what his work did what his work is trust that his work is sufficient trust trust that what god says that he was going to do that he did when he says that i will save you trust that he did believe that to the fullest and if you do have some sin that's on you take it to him he's 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 that he's that gracious father that we see in the prodigal son just waiting it's right there he's right like he'll run to you as you on your way He's, he's that shepherd that will go and pull his lost sheep right back in. He's that woman that'll tear a house up looking for that one coin. You may be that coin today. I'm trying to tell you like there's hope here. And I hope and pray that you're understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth. I want y'all to smell my words and hear my breath. It is not at loss for you. It's not, you're not hopeless. There is a hope in the personal work of Jesus Christ. And I pray that that encourages somebody today. Father in heaven. Father God, we thank you that you are a gracious and merciful, loving God. We know that you are a holy God who takes sin so seriously that you would crush your own son. Lord, we thank you that we can come before your throne now based upon the merits of Christ alone. Lord, we know that we're not good enough. But we know that you are a good God who is, who is transforming us and reforming us and conforming us to the image of your son. Lord, we thank you for being our God. Lord, we pray right now for anybody in here, Lord, who felt like they were in a dark place, whose heart was heavy with sin, whose lives may be saturated with failure. Lord, we ask that you be their victory. Lord, we ask that you be their hope. We ask that you be their light. 
Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.